Welcome, welcome everyone to our worship service of the United Methodist Church of Westlake Village for Sunday, January 29th, 2023. We're so glad you joined us here today for worship or if you're worshiping with us online. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in God. Here are just a few reminders of ministry and activity opportunities in the coming week. Today at the United Methodist Church in Newberry Park is the Holocaust Remembrance Program. Um, It's featuring the book, The Cat Who Lived with Anne Frank. It begins at 12.30 p.m. and you are invited to be there. Canal Connect midweek dinners will be held at the United Methodist Church in Westlake Village, February 8th and 15th. The theme is Beauty and the Beast. And finally, the mission of the month is Casa Pacifica. It's not too late to give. We hope you will give generously. And finally, not least, but the most, the flowers on the altar today are given by Carol and Dave Friedman to the glory of God. Thank you so much. Wow. I know. I like it. Yes. Oh, these are the flowers for. Oh, sorry. Downgraded. What can I say? I I actually was going to say these are the flowers for for Claudette from the service for Claudette yesterday, the celebration of life. But I couldn't find any other flowers, so these are the flowers. And they are lovely. Thank you so much. Today in worship, we step further into the season of Epiphany, that time of the year when we think about God's revelation to us through Jesus and what sense we can make of it for ourselves. As you know, Pastor Walt is on vacation with his family. We saw pictures of him at Disneyland. I guess he's having a good time. So um, we've invited... And we're welcoming Jan Newton. Jan is the administrative assistant of the North District Office of the United Methodist Office. She's an active layperson in her church, in our district, and the walk to Emmaus. And now let us center ourselves in preparation for worship. to worship and remain standing for the hymn and the invocation. Holy God, come and be present to us in this time of worship. We gather in your name, seeking your healing and inspiring touch. Help us to see our kinship one to another and how all our love and purposes are to be grounded in our relationship to you. Help us walk in your spirit as brothers and sisters, members 
up your hearts. Let us pray. Holy God, be present in our worship this day. Touch us with your spirit and call us to attention. Heal our hurts, enlighten our burdens, and empower us for lives of discipleship in your Son's name. Amen. Center ourselves and go to God in prayer. <clears throat> God, we ask you to draw close, to lend your ear, to hear our prayers, prayers for healing and peace in our country and around the globe, for an end to violence and peaceful resolutions to conflicts. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for members and friends who are experiencing health concerns, surgeries and procedures, as well as ongoing medical situations. Among them, Barry Falk, Kathy Drake, Steve Ames, 
Judy and Joseph Rivera, Barbara Ghosh, Janelle Sanders, and Kitty Salto. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And now in this time of silence, we invite you to go to God to offer your own prayers, your own petitions, your own words of gratitude. May this be a time meaningful for you as you sit and think and pray. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Finally, God, we offer prayers of thanksgiving for answered prayers, times of healing, blessings of joy, love, and friendship, for your presence and your providence, for this caring Christian community, and for those present here with us in worship and online today. Oh Lord, hear our prayer. We pray all this in your son's holy name, joined together in the prayer he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our scripture readings chosen for today are from the prophet Micah and the Gospel of Matthew. Our first reading is Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, your enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Our second reading is Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name, as you heard, is Jan Newton. I am a local layperson. Um, I'm a person. <laughs> thank you. Um, it is really great to be here this morning, so thank you all for having me. Thank you to Pastor Walt for inviting me. Um, as was mentioned, I work in the North District Office of the CalPAC Conference, which, if you're into all the United Methodist arrangements and organization, just means I work uh, for the district superintendent who oversees the churches in this area. Um, Pastor Waltz set it up so that this week I speak to you, and next week you get the district superintendent. So I feel like I'm the opening act, sort of, you know? But I've seen a lot of really good opening acts in my time, and I hope that you're going to have that, the, <laughs> that same sense, too, whether you're here or online. 
And hooray for online, right? What a, what a great thing. I have to say myself, especially on a dreary, drippy day like today, those of you who, who weathered it, thank you. And those of you who were at home because you couldn't, thank you for joining too. I'm always simultaneously excited and nervous and then a little flummoxed when I'm asked to speak uh, to a church because I think, oh, no, no, I couldn't do that. I'm like, uh, yeah, I can, absolutely. Uh, so what I hope uh, we come out of today is just a good bit of time together, just learning a little bit about how we're being called in our lives, how God is calling us, and how we respond. That's a big piece. I think as was mentioned, um, you know, who I am, what I do, I love this community. I'm actually a neighbor. I'm a, I've lived in Thousand Oaks for, I think, 30 years. Uh, I've been married to my husband for 35. We have an adult daughter um, who actually attended a mission trip. <laughs> Peggy's with, absolutely uh, nodding her head up and down. A mission trip with, uh, in combination, Thousand Oaks and Westlake Village years ago uh, down to um, uh, New Orleans, I believe it was. Where? Slidell. Ask the people who know. <laughs> At any rate, um, I think that... Uh, my roots in this area are deep, and my walk with uh, Christ on a journey of faith, thankfully, is ongoing, but I will tell you right now, I'm no expert, so I like to set those expectations. I am really glad to be here, as I mentioned, and I think that, at minimum, when we're done here today, something will resonate with you, and maybe even put a little pep in your step as you head out from here with a desire to just really fully live into your ministry in God's world, because we all have a ministry. It's not reserved for the choice few. It's for all of us. So with that said, let me just go ahead and jump in, and let's dig in just a little bit to some of that scripture that we heard. And I'm actually going to start with what I think is probably one of the most well-known half verses of the Old Testament. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So this portion of Micah 8 is widely quoted, printed, painted, stenciled, embroidered. Our society is very familiar with the phrasing. But I have to ask, do we really understand what it means? Sometimes I think there's a little bit of a danger to familiarity, right? In dealing with something that's familiar, we can, we can miss or neglect that deeper meaning. So I'd like to invite us to take just a quick step back and think about the whole body of that text. It's no short little piece, right? And God is asking the Israelites some pretty serious questions. And their response to him, more questions, right? They just cut to the chase. Okay, so what is it, God, that you want from us? What do you require? They're basically just saying, tell us your favorite offering and we'll do it. Even if it's extreme and a hardship, God, we're there. We're going to do it. But God responds through Micah in the last verse of this passage, the one that we know really well. But the answer moves away from the focus on what type of offering needs to be presented, and it shifts over to what type of person God is looking to work through. What we're hearing here is that God does not want a specific type of offering. God wants a specific type of person, and he wants to use us just as we are, but he wants the whole us, right? Our whole body, 
our whole heart, our whole spirit. I suspect that verse eight is really popular because it offers to us as followers of Christ a little bit of a roadmap, right? Here's what to do. Now at the time, it may not have really been the answer that the people were looking for or expected. In fact, it really wasn't even what they were seeking. They were just focused on offerings because they thought that's how they made right with their God. They were emphasizing sacrificial worship to the exclusion of justice and kindness. Now, it's a very different time back in the Old Testament days, and I think they rightly considered the nature of their offerings, but God is leading them in a way to think about this, think about more than just a sacrifice when entering into the presence of God. God is helping to clarify what's good. And the answer is pretty simple and pretty straightforward, but that doesn't mean it's easy. What we're hearing is that we are created to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. But that's kind of a lot, right? That's a lot to think about and do. And especially if you don't really have a plan on how you're going to do it, I'll speak for myself, super intimidating. So how do we handle this? Well, spoiler alert, I don't know the answer to that either. But that's okay. I'm going to offer to you that we as Christians need to live a Christ-centered life. Pretty straightforward. But it's really the action that flows from our individual and our personal relationship that is our commitment to Christ, and that's what creates our personal ministry. I believe that our action carries on Christ's work around reconciliation in this world and the gifts that are given to us. It is our action that makes Christ real, and it makes his love real in this world. Now, I've heard enough genuine Methodist sermons in my life, being a Methodist since I was about 12 years old, that I know a good, solid, three-point sermon is often a favorite course. (laughs) So in that spirit, I am going to give you a point right now. Point number one. Our action as Christians is a natural response to God's grace. Think about it. We've received and we continue to receive God's great and redeeming love. And we want to share that same love with everyone we meet. I really do believe, and I think we know, it creates a true kinship and community. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's one that I want to share with everyone every chance I get. Now, in my experience, one of the great things about this kind of natural response of action is that everyone can respond in their own unique way with their own unique gifts. And whether you all like to admit it or not, everyone has unique and and individual spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts show up so many different ways and so many different things. And if you haven't already done so, I really encourage you to find out and know what your gifts are. You've likely or very probably explored them through a sermon series or a book or a Bible study here at the church. But if you missed that week, right, go home. Google spiritual gifts assessment and some, or for some version of that, and you will be surprised how many different ones are out there. And you can just answer some questions. And it, it honestly, it just helps you to put a name, right, to something that you're already doing, whether you realize it or not. So for about 15 years, I've participated in running events. 
Five Ks led to 10 Ks, and those led to half marathons. And then I just decided, let's go straight to the ultra events. And I started doing 100 plus mile relays with some team members. Now, I don't claim running to be a spiritual gift, but I do know that I possess the gift of exalt exaltation or encouragement. And I use that multiple times at events where teammates or sometimes strangers we're really struggling to finish a race. So I'm a completer, not a computer. So that means I really don't worry a whole lot about my individual time at these events because honestly, the winners are gonna come in on the longer events like at least an hour ahead of me. You know, it's all right. But I am out there having a good time and I'm not in a big hurry, so I like to enjoy what's happening around. If people are cheering, sometimes I'll run by and high five them, you know, just kind of embrace the, the time out there give a little praise that I can do it. Again, not fast, but praise God that I can move and exercise. And usually uh, we're running for some sort of cause-related thing, so I know that I'm giving back to charity. So just for me, it's a little bit of outdoor church. I love it. <clears throat> but sometimes I'll see somebody who's struggling. You can tell, right? It's, they're, they're kind of slimming down. They're, they're waving people by. They don't look happy. Just, they don't Something's not right. And so I like to just kind of trot up alongside them and check in. And then they might chat with me a little bit, and then I'll start just babbling on about something inconsequential. We call it the mindless chatter. Nothing really, anything particularly special. But then all of a sudden, there's the finish line. Every single time this happens, my new running mate, my new best friend, at least for the moment, will say, oh, I did it. I am going to be able to finish this and I'm trotting right alongside them, sometimes having to speed up to hurry up. I'm like, where did you get all that energy from? Because they're, they're, they're going. To which I usually say, praise God. And they almost always say, yes, praise God indeed. That always makes me smile. So this process of encouragement and giving glory to God really started to take on a life of its own. And my running buddy, or really we'll call ourselves fast walkers, we decided let's have some shirts made. And we did so in several colors and we put a popular and pertinent verse on the back, one I'm sure you're familiar with, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we decided to put this on the back of the shirt because we did, you know, a lot of people, I mean a lot of people pass us at this event, right? So at least we can be a little beacon of hope and joy and encouragement because guess what? They'll be back behind us and they're like, Okay, let's see if I can pass that scripture. And then, sure enough, here they go. And so we'll just be out there along, and then you hear an amen, and maybe a little fist pump, and then we'll yell amen back. And then sometimes someone will come by, and they'll shout out their favorite verse, and then someone behind us will say amen. And we have like this whole chorus of amens happening out there on the running course. Even sweaty and tired, we can minister to one another. So this brings me to the second point. <laughs> To be effective, our Christian life in action, it needs a plan. We are not accidental Christians. We have each accepted God in our lives, and we need to think about how we demonstrate this love to others. I'd offer that you need to remember to pray about it too. Again, speaking for myself, I most often need to, to ask for God's direction, and I need to ask for God's guidance in how to best serve for him. Because honestly, left to my own devices, it's 50-50 if it's going to work or not. 
So today we heard, um, just a few moments ago, one of the gospel reading was the Beatitudes. Now this lesson strikes me as Jesus sharing with us the plan for how to live the good life. I would even say the best life and the life intended for us to live. So think about it again in the context of the time. When this teaching was delivered, the image of Jesus sitting up on the mountainside would have reminded all the Jews present of Moses coming down the mountain, right, to reveal God's law, the Ten Commandments. But Jesus is not giving us a list of do's and don'ts. Instead, I think of it as he's saying, hey, I'm putting it in very common language, of course. This is how things really are, and this is how my kingdom really works. And admittedly, for everyone present at that time, the things that Jesus said were shocking they were countercultural, counterintuitive, and most definitely different than anything that any teacher or philosopher of the time was saying. Most definitely say that it was revolutionary. But what Jesus does is he, he paints a picture and a plan for what a true disciple should look like. And I think the thing to really focus on is no matter how bad life gets, we can rejoice. I'm not rejoicing in the circumstance but who Jesus is and the fact that he's here with us. So having a great plan is a good thing, but working the plan is where really it all comes to fruition. I'm sure you've all experienced that things never go according to our plan, but you can have great faith in knowing that if you live consistently in God's word, if you pray for guidance, and you act in love, things will and do work out. Look at this morning, right? The monitors didn't work the way you wanted it to. There, there was like a list of things. We're here. Praise God. God is here. We're worshiping. No one turned around. What? The screens are working. I'm out. No. It's not the way we wanted it. But here we are present and connected in God. I think one of the things you really need to remember about our life in ministry is that it has to be authentic. That fake it till you make it business does not cut it. Our action flows naturally because it is natural, and most importantly, it is of God. Think about it. When you're in that zone of your love in action, using your gifts, it is a beautiful thing as much for you as it is for the person or the persons that you're encountering, because quite frankly, it's part of you, and it's part of you expressing your faith and experiencing your faith together with others. So here we come to point number three. Friendship is the path of offering Christ to others. We are called to be friends of and for Christ. One of my personal favorite uh, passages is 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 20. And a couple years ago, I found the translation in the message to really resonate for me. Let's hear this word. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. For me, 
hearing it like that, first of all, just a reminder, God's already your friend. If you haven't, goodness, be friends. Don't keep him at arm's distance. What does your friendship with God look like? I think that friendship, for me, shows up in ways of serving. And I think there are so many different ways to serve. Like, if I made the exhaustive list of how you could serve in this world, we'd be here a long time, and you'd ask me to leave. You get it, right? But think about it. There's the very traditional, kind of when you think of serving at church, and none are better than the other. But there's the ones that you think of right away, like, hey, we do feeding ministries, we go on mission trips, we sing in the choir. That's a great way to serve, especially for the people who don't sing well. We volunteer to do Sunday school, uh, youth counselors, volunteer in the office. There's so many ways. But for some, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be up front. There are a lot of quiet ways to do it too. And let me tell you, they are incredibly meaningful as well. We have a friend in our Emmaus community, you heard that mentioned earlier, who has what we call the cookie ministry, one of my favorite things. She bakes and delivers cookies to people, some of whom she doesn't even know. Can you imagine if some, she looks like this really nice grandma, right, shows up with a little plate of cookies? Wow, thank you. Who are you? (laughs) I have a friend, Patty, who is so good about sending off cards, notes, even texts to people, and she just says, I just want to let you know I was thinking of and praying for you. That's such a special thing. I have a friend who is an amazing prayer warrior who always just, she'll just zero up on me and she's like, I've been praying for you for, and she'll name something very specific that I didn't necessarily ask her for. And sometimes she'll be able to provide a word of encouragement for me that she wouldn't have known that I needed, but it was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. I have a friend who works in a hospital and she writes beautiful prayers that she shares with the church every, I'm sorry, she shares the church in the hospital, (laughs) the people in the hospital, the staff, every single day. And it gives them so much comfort and joy. Think about having a prayer written for you every single day during the pandemic, which is what they were dealing with in the hospitals, how that started. Incredibly meaningful. I have a friend who sets up coffee and snacks every week without fail at the church. I know another guy, he... (laughs) He's hilarious. If you get within 10 feet of this guy, you're going to get invited to some activity or some event at church. And even better, he's, he has a really good success rate at getting people to come. When you show up, he treats you like royalty. It's amazing. I mean, he really has that knack of just making people feel so welcome. I have a couple of other friends who write, I think it's something like 50 cards and letters each every single month to different people. Some they know, some they don't, just because, just to tell them that they're, they're recognized, they're known, and they're loved. My husband, who couldn't come here today because he, was, he works down in a dog shelter on Sundays, and he walks like 12 miles every Sunday walking dogs who are waiting to get adopted in a shelter. Don't tell me there isn't ministry in our four-legged friends, right? Do you sense a theme here? besides, of course, the fact that I'm fortunate enough to have some pretty incredible and wonderful people in my life, the theme is action. There is absolutely no rule for what the action is. It just has to be an authentic response, something that serves the benefit of others and something that you get joy out of doing. 
Thinking about it now, that popular partial verse from Micah 8 really rings true. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. I think that our willingness to serve, to be as true disciples in whatever way we are called is exactly what our community and our country and our world needs right now. May we all be counted upon to continue the work of Christ in our world. Amen. You are invited to share of your financial resources via the instructions that will appear momentarily on the screen to help support the ministries of Christ that happen through our congregation. Your generosity is needed to keep us going, to keep us doing the good we do. So give generously and be part of what happens in people's lives through the congregation of UMCWV.
Our hymn will be 558 verses 1, 2, and 4. Let us pray. Holy God, we ask that you bless these gifts and those who give them, that our ministries in your Son's spirit might thrive, helping your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. church, all of us together, and I pray that as you go forward from this place, you do so filled with the love and the glory and the spirit of God, and you do something about it. You get out there and you take action. Let us all be blessed as we go forward and say together, amen. Amen.